uh, I, I want this whole thing to be, I want to be overturned, become democratic, so I go to Cuba and fish. Because those waters are fairly virgin, because anybody, any Cuban with a boat is already in Miami. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 178 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, Jessica Salagi. Hi, Dave. Owner of thegeorgiavirtue.com. Owner of the Georgia Virtue. Journalist extraordinaire. You're welcome. How was your week? It was fine. It was um, like busy, but in a good way and productive. So I don't really have any complaints, but... Work is work, man. It is, but at least you're not working for the man. Yeah, what about you? <laughs> you know, or or uh, a man, but go ahead, yes, <laughs> or any man. <laughs> uh, you know, last weekend we went to uh, went down to the St. Regis, go to the pool. We talked about it on the show, I think, last week in the closing. Uh, the decorum at the pool has certainly gone downhill with the with the clientele. Now the service at, at the St. Rich is still spectacular. The room service outstanding. The service of the pool still very, very, very good. But you just you know some of the yahoos are showing up, and it, it's a it's a quiet uh, sort of area where everybody's kind of whispering to themselves. And there was a couple at the end that were, was on Facetime for two hours straight, each of them on a different phone, making sure that everybody they knew uh, was aware they were at the St. Regis. And then the service at Chops is just abysmal now for the for the level of restaurant it is Mm -hmm. so i i know i sound like a snob but i guess i am well you are and it's okay i mean we we this is a safe space you don't have to (laughs) you don't have to be shy but we were talking about it before the show just decorum and when you were when you were explaining it as you did i mean decorum hasn't just gone downhill at the st regis it's in general in public people i mean We've all been places where someone's on speakerphone or FaceTime in public and we have to be, you know, in a doctor's office or something. And you're, you're just like, this is, this is insane. And yeah, yeah we're I supposed to I, just tolerate it. And then, I mean, sure, it's their space. It's a public space there. We, we talked about doing a show about it because, you know, there's a, there's just a lot to be said, really. Yeah. And I don't need, everybody doesn't need to know about your ex-boyfriend getting out of jail at the top of your lungs. They, they make Bluetooth for a reason. There's also, hey, I'm in a store. Can I call you back? Yeah, and if you're going to talk about your ex-boyfriend getting out of jail or something, like put that stuff on Facebook so we can all read it. Yeah, so we can all enjoy. Yeah. But we all had a better week than they had in Cuba. Whoo! What a week! It really was. I mean, it it, it is interesting to see the the Cuban people waving American flags. Uh, maybe they don't have a grasp of history of how. Mm-hmm. How much help we've been to Cuba, like the Bay of Pigs? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Look, I, 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 the that government is oppressive. It should be overturned, just not by us. Well, I, 
our like our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, my boy Thomas Jefferson, who like he wanted to, he's he spoke in papers about acquiring Cuba. John, I mean, it was it was it was a discussion all the way up until like the eighteen. I mean, for I I would imagine sometimes it still is, but in terms of you know presidential conversations and the expansion of the United States and stuff, but like through the eighteen hundreds and stuff, like. Every time they went through a hard time, Americans went in and picked up all the land when everything was at the bottom. And then we'd, you know, back up a dictator and that person and there'd be a coup and we'd come in again. And like, we've caused just as many problems as we've. Well, intervention does that. And look, if. if Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, If Cuba. Cuba is strategic. So being so close to the United States, uh, it'd be nice to have a strategic ally that close. Selfishly, uh, I I want this whole thing to be, I want to be overturned, become democratic, so I go to Cuba and fish. Because those waters are fairly virgin because anybody, any Cuban with a boat is already in Miami. So well, there's we, not a whole a whole lot of offshore fishing that happens around Cuba. The biggest problem with Cuba, though, is that there's been all these restrictions on what we as individuals can do with Cuba in terms of tourism and 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 buying things, commerce, and all this. While our government has had you know the complete monopoly on their poultry export or our exports to them, and you know I think seventy percent of their chicken comes from from the state of Georgia. Um, like it's big business. The government can do it. We just can't. And I, I feel for them. I, I, you know, like, I feel for them. They don't, they, don't, they don't know what it's like to be free. But then, like, are we the best option for them? Because over here, we've got people, like, pleading for people to take their rights. So. I would anticipate Russian, quote, unquote, peacekeepers in the next 60 days. Or Chinese Something like that to come and bolster that government. And look, it's, it's it's the natural progression of things within a communist government is to is to have an overthrow, because you mm-hmm. you can only starve people for so long. And 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 as as a South Floridian, I'm really curious about going to Cuba. I will not go until they have regime change, uh, because it's not real hard to find out that I had a security clearance. And you think about the that guy uh, who got locked up in Russia for months and months, accused of being a spy. Mm-hmm. I just imagine just uh, pleading, no, I'm an air conditioning guy. I'm just an air conditioning guy. Right. But Biden says the U.S. may take steps to restore Internet access in Cuba. Yeah, and that headline sounds ridiculous until you you realize that like there's lots of Republicans calling for us to do something, too. Like yeah, Ron DeSantis and Rubio? Yeah, DeSantis said Thursday in a letter to Biden requesting federal assistance to provide internet access to people in Cuba. Senator Rubio has also made similar requests to Biden. Uh, DeSantis said, similar to the American efforts to broadcast radio into the Soviet Union during the Cold War in Europe, the federal government has a history of supporting dissemination of information into Cuba for the Cuban people through radio and television, Marti, and located in Miami. Which I didn't know that that existed. That's my own ignorance and my lack of understanding of Cuba. And, and I mean, 
that's kind of wild, but but why? The uh, all right. So when you control the flow of information, you, you control the narrative. And information dissemination is a keyword, is is a buzzword. That's psychological operations. Uh, that's that's what it's called. You know, uh, when you when the other guy does it, it's propaganda. When we do it, it's information dissemination. Mm-hmm. And that's straight out of the straight out of the book. Uh, uh, and the 37, 37 Foxtrot class, straight out of the book, information dissemination. So if we control the internet, we control what stories they read. Now, we can say that, oh, we're just giving them access to everything. And, and the opposite is true of what their government is doing is they absolutely control what stories they can read and, and, and all that stuff. So we had Radio Free Europe. We had, we've had a long history of that. We even have an airplane. It's called an EC-130. It's a C-130 that's equipped to take over and broadcast TV and radio in order to send messages to a target area. So we can send the EC-130 up uh, and circle an area and broadcast our messages so so it comes through their radios and their TVs so that they get the information that that we want them to have, not what's coming over their local stations. We have a long history with this, and there's a a whole doctrine that goes along with it. so if our if it's not really our place, we don't we don't have a dog in that fight right now. Like that's exactly right. Like what kind of impact does us broadcasting stuff to the people? Well, they do it all the time. But well, yes. But if if we if we lost everything, oh, I guarantee you the Russians would. So would the Chinese. I guarantee you they would. If they if they could if they could control the narrative within the American populace, Russia's already doing it with their meme factories and the stuff that you see out in, in, in the twits and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Uh, all that stuff is coming out of intelligence operations within Russia, within China, uh, in order and, and they're using our own social media against us. Some of the stuff I see, I want to do a scheme worksheet on, which is source, content, audience, media, and effect, because uh, it's it's obvious it's obvious that, that a lot of the stuff's coming out to gin us up. So that's that's what the goal is. So yes, if we lost, if we went into complete disarray, I guarantee you, one of the, one of the other powers would love to come in and broadcast their messages directly to the American people. That's I mean it's it's what it's it's the game that that's that there's a there's an entire game around around propaganda and psychological operations. You know we do it they do it and we both point to each other going how dare you send propaganda to our to our country. But if you take to the sea, uh, you will not come to the United States. Cuban refuge, refugee DHS secretary Alejandro Mayorkas tells other refugees quote if individuals establish a well-founded fear of persecution or torture, they are referred to third countries for resettlement. They will not enter the United States. That's pretty strong, man. That's real strong, considering the leaky border that we have uh, on the south and towards Mexico. We're told those refugees that are are running from economic uh, problems... And then you're finding people who are actually being shot and tortured going, no, 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 no. Well, if you... Not here, Hoss. 
If you can prove it, we'll send you somewhere else, though. Right. Exactly. So we've got, you know, we bring Syrian refugees here. We bring Guatemalan uh, economic refugees here and allow them in. And they stay here while their case is, is heard. But, but the Cubans, who live 90 miles from us, who for decades had a wet foot, dry foot policy, which means if they once they put a foot on U.S. soil, they were given refugee status. And then say, you know, we're going to send you somewhere else. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's, it's not easy being an illegal alien. Remember Ellie and Gonzalez? That was, yeah, that was that was Bubba Clinton and uh, Madeleine Albright, who sent troops or, or law enforcement carrying MP5s into this house in Miami to snatch what a three-year-old boy away from his family. He was he was young. I don't remember how old he was. But I remember it was on. Yeah, he was he wasn't yeah, he was, any he, more. He was than still being held. Um. But snatch him away from, I think it was cousins or uncles or whatever, because his mother died on the, on the trip over. And they decided that they were going to send this child back to Cuba to live with his father. And uh, 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 unbelievable story. I mean, you know, it's, not, it's, not, it's not worth rehashing everything. But yeah, the, the whole policy with, with Cuba has been, has been a mess the entire time. And of course, we have old Marco. My office stands ready to help leaders of Black Lives Matter organization immigrate to hashtag Cuba. I mean, it's a funny tweet and Facebook post that he put out on both. I mean, it's it's like, haha, okay. But, you know, the advocate he claims to be, it's kind of interesting that, like, there's so much turmoil and so much united states induced turmoil and he's like let's let's crack a joke about sending people there when it's they're supposedly being terrorized trump trump changed the game with twitter so if you want to stay relevant especially if he wants to be relevant for 24 this is what you do is you get pithy tweets so ken Pollan, friend of the show uh and uh guest host uh, I'm ready to help all members of Congress, both Republican and Democrat, immigrate to Cuba. That was on Marco Rubio's post. Yes, it was. He is not pulling any punches. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I told you you'd hate it. And, and we're going to move on because I said five minutes for this uh, this topic and, you know, we're, we're way past that. But the funnier comment under Ken's was that someone was like, Ken, what did Cuba do to deserve that? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of true, so... That is awesome. Yes. <laughs> but if you're headed to, uh, headed this way from Cuba, may we suggest going via Mexico opposed to being in Florida? Yeah, don't, don't go to Florida. Suggestion comes from a story in Lantana, a Florida woman who racked up $165,000 in property uh, and fines, municipal fines, for driveway cracks, storm damage fence, and cars parked on her own property in an unapproved manner. Yes, this 165,000, Jessica. How'd that happen? Well, so her, this lady's name is um, Sandy Martinez, and this has actually been going on, of course, you know, like the, the most recent headlines about it totaling $165,000 have made the news because the Institute for Justice is representing her and she's suing the city. So that's, um, and she, she recently won 
on, you know, the first little thing where the city tried to have it thrown out and a judge said, no, this can go forward. Um, but so that's why it's in the news. But this has been going on for, for quite some time. And so there's lots of news articles on it. So I went and looked back on just everything that's been going on. And because when you hear the driveway fines and the fencing and I mean, we I'm sure we have some people who live in HOAs and they're probably like chanting because they think that, you know, you should control what your neighbors do. But we're talking about the government, not an HOA that you've opted into. And the driveway cracks. Um, <laughs> there's pictures and we'll, we'll post the pictures from the articles. But she got $75 a day in fines for 215 days. And they were minor in cosmetic cracks like this wasn't like the entire driveway was crumbling or breaking off into the street or or anything and and sixteen thousand dollars far exceeds the cost of a new driveway so so there's that then there's the fact that um they charged her 250 dollars a day because two of her cars touched some of the grass and the sidewalk and that went up to a hundred thousand dollars because she was trying to refute it and um supposedly she has proof that that she she tried to interact with them about this and negotiate and um they like didn't return her calls and didn't wouldn't meet with her and everything so it it ran up to a hundred thousand dollars for parking like it's it blows my mind that it's her own property she owns the house i mean she doesn't own she has a mortgage but she owns the property and the way that it's set up is there's a there's grass there's a very narrow sidewalk and that sidewalk is directly adjacent to the driveway. And so they had four cars because she has adult children. And two, you know, two of the cars touched some of the grass and the sidewalk. And so they charged her $250 a day. And then the fence, which the fence ticks me off the most because it was destroyed by a storm. And her insurance said, yes, we'll cover it. Um, she couldn't afford to pay for it outright. And so she, they filed the claim, and because it was storm-induced and it's Florida, there were lots of other um, insurance claims. And so it was, you know, a long, drawn-out process. And they charged her $125 a day for 379 days for a total of $47,375. This is so Florida. And if she sold her house, she would, like, she can't, well, first of all, she can't because of the liens they've placed on it, but, like, $165,000, if you see her house, it's not, it's, it's certainly, it's not, you know, it, it's not a Yeah, I think, I think they said her house is, is worth about 300000 Right. And with uh, with her mortgage, and, she couldn't pay it off. And, 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 and in Palm Beach County, that 300000 is is a is a not a mansion. Right. So, yeah, that's, depending on where you're listening to us from, you're going to be like, $300,000, that's a nice house. No, it's a very not, small, one-story, like, ranch yeah not not in palm beach county it's not well and they offered to settle they said if you pay us twenty five thousand dollars by december this was last year we'll we'll call it even and she's like i don't have twenty five thousand dollars they're like okay one hundred sixty five thousand. it is like it's and she even she asked for the code enforcement officer to come out and look at the property, see what she's uh, accommodations she made. She's got four vehicles, two adult children. She lives there, and her sister lives there. Uh, and they're just. Can you imagine trying to play musical vehicles to get to get out to go to work in the morning? Yeah, and they're they're all small cars, you know. Like they're. It's not like she's got you know a lifted 
massive truck that probably should have six wheels like hanging off the curb. I mean, it's, they're just lined up so that everyone could get to school and work. Right. On her own so, property. On her, exactly. On her own property. This is, and, you, and you hit it on the nail on the head with, this is not an HOA. HOA, you go in, they hand you covenants before you, before you buy. And there's no street to, parking because there's a, like, it's like too narrow. It's barely, it's like right. one lane or one, you know. Again, if anybody's been to uh, like residential Florida, not just the beach, you know exactly what you're looking at with, with these these narrow streets and stuff. Uh, there is no there is no street parking. There's two cars couldn't pass, a car couldn't pass if you if you left a vehicle on the street unless you put uh, you know two two wheels on the grass or on the sidewalk. In which case you'd get a fine or get towed. Uh, this is these municipalities are addicted to fines. And Florida is known for this stuff, uh, handing out fines for your grass being too long, handing out fines for your shutters not being the right color. I mean, th- this is this is what keeps things going for, the, for these municipalities. But yet they're not worried about the co- the buildings that are freaking crumbling and yeah, killing people. Well, they're it, not worried about the actual safety. They're worried about whether or not the driveway has any cracks. Well, those are two different, very different municipalities. One's in Miami, one's in Palm Beach. It doesn't matter. Uh, oh, no, I get it. I get it, uh, especially when they were warned about that one. But this kind of stuff, this is just the obtuseness of government. Well, I can't afford it, so. I, there, there was a, a very nice house that I worked on that had a, a tree went down uh, on the fence, one of the storms that we had, and it stayed there for months. Why? Well, they couldn't get the lumber to fix it because because of COVID and the shortage. They, they were waiting for a fence company to come out. Those people were slammed. So they left the tree down because the neighbor had dogs. And the only way to get the tree worked as a, as a stopgap to, to keep the dogs on their side of the property. So it's... And their HOA didn't make a big deal out of it. Everybody knew. This is, you could, this is storm. The storm rolled through here. I mean, it's like they wait for a hurricane to roll through South Florida, and then the the code enforcement people get their ticket books out. Well, and the town, the the attorney for the city, you know, just showing how we should do away with cities altogether. He's such a dumbass. He said that this is to keep the city in compliance with minimum property standards and not to collect money. He said she's a recidivist. She's been cited 31 times since 2007 for various code violations. And she's fixed related infractions 10 times, but been non-compliant on 21 violations and repeatedly failed to attend hearings before a special magistrate. She's no stranger to code enforcement. She's well-versed in how the process works. The bottom line is she's recalcitrant. She doesn't want to comply with the town's codes. She does what she wants to do. And he said, this is the... This, I mean, I would, I, I would like to send him a letter just for this statement alone. He said that they could have legally charged her five hundred dollars a day for the parking violation. Recall that they charged her two fifty, but because it was a re, um, in because the town tries to temper justice with mercy. Oh, good lord! One hundred sixty-five thousand dollars. That's three times what this woman makes. There's no victim. It doesn't cost the city anything for her to have cracks in her driveway or to park on her own damn property or to have a fence that is in progress. It costs them nothing. Somebody, somebody has, has it out for this chick. Obviously. Somebody, I mean, that's that's one of her neighbors that's calling. I guarantee it. I guarantee she... 
she is she's absolutely on somebody's doo-doo list. Well, the Institute uh, for Justice is a fantastic organization and they will vigorously defend her in this and and then like I said, they're they're suing and as they should. It's ridiculous. I mean, she probably isn't attending hearings all the time because she's working. Like this isn't some deadbeat woman who like just is like you can see the house is well kept. It's it's clean. She just has cars parked out front. And five hundred dollars a day. Yeah, and I don't know what she's supposed to do. I mean, they obviously don't don't have the money for the adult kids to move out. Uh, our sister to move out, or they, they wouldn't live together if they did. Well, and the whole the whole basis of her legal argument is, or her you know the attorney and everything is that it's excessive fines. It doesn't it doesn't match the crime or the alleged crime, and that's completely accurate. In what universe yeah. is one hundred sixty five thousand dollars for aesthetics? Legit. Right. Not even Talk in Beverly Hills. A, like, it, it doesn't... Hey, bending a single blade of grass with your tire. Boom. 250 or whatever it is per day. But hey, this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective companies for which we may, we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Good job, Dave. <laughs> Good job. I can write what you read. Or I can read what you write. <laughs> City of Columbus agreed last week to pay $500,000 in a settlement to a lawsuit brought by the family of a Hispanic man who died in a struggle with police officers in 2017. Jessica, what happened? Did you follow this story before the outline? No. Okay, neither did I. So I did, I, but I did do a lot of research on it because it intrigued me because um, first of all, it happened in 2017. Um, second, it's, uh, well, let me go in order. So here's what happened. So the guy was, um, arrested or was attempting, they were attempting to arrest him for disorderly conduct. He had called the police for something. There was a dispute going on with his, his mother or something. I don't know, but they ended up arresting him. Um, the GBI came in, um, because on the way to the hospital, he died, um, in an ambulance because he started having some reactions, I guess, and they called, you know, and, and so the GBI crime lab deemed it a death by methamphetamine toxicity. Um, and then the GBI amended the report um, in 2020, so three years after this guy died, to say that he died by homicide and it was a direct result, sudden cardiac death following a struggle with law enforcement, including prone position restraint, complicating acute methamphetamine toxicity. Um, that is like the that is the legal definition. Homicide dash sudden cardiac like basically blaming the cops the gbi just remember that the gbi is not a friend of the cops um so and then of course i guess the guy had said there's lots of varying different stories um the family of this his name was hector Ariola, i believe um and his family it's better than i was gonna pronounce it <laughs> his family <laughs> um of course filed a lawsuit um the naacp came in and they've They've said that it was like George Floyd and um, they said he said 16 times that he couldn't breathe while an officer sat on him for more than two minutes. Um, And then 
the the lawsuit says 10 times i don't know how many times it actually was but it, it at some point um he said i can't breathe and like i said there was like two minutes times that they that elapsed while they were trying to arrest him and then he was transported to the um the er by ambulance but so like i said they were there weren't going to be any like they usually are, the Columbus police officers were placed on administrative leave and the civil suit was filed. And then this June, it went before a U.S. district court judge who said that because the the office, so, I forgot something. Our friend Mark Jones, D.A. Mark Jones, um, the one who did donuts in the parking lot of the city center and everything. When he got sworn in, he said he was going to look into bringing criminal charges against these officers four years later now um for murder because that's the only thing where the statute of limitations hasn't run out and um the officers were like no you can't like please please don't bring the the civil suit right now because we can't we can't defend ourselves in the civil suit don't allow it to go forward if we do we'll be incriminating ourselves in in what could possibly be um the criminal case. Well, Mark Jones pushed on. He pulled a Jackie Johnson and appointed his own special prosecutor to investigate, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to go through the attorney general's office. If you recall, um, we talked about that a lot on the show, but he appointed his own um, special prosecutor who is his former campaign manager. Oh, Lord. Yes. And um, so they, they've been investigating. So, the attorneys for the police officers filed an injunction saying, don't let this wrongful death go- suit go forward right now. We we can't, you know. The judge, Judge Clay Land, said, um, no, the suit is going to go forward because despite the concerns about what the district attorney might do to indict them, the judge said in his order that he doesn't believe they can be successfully prosecuted for a crime. Well, as we all know, it doesn't matter if that's the, fa- the, the truth or not. Like if a, a, no, a district attorney wants to be vindictive, they're going to be vindictive. If they, They'll do whatever they they want um so the city of columbus settled um and there was a stipulation in there that said you know the attorney the the officers do not um consent to this we we maintain that we did nothing wrong the city offered the settlement without the officer's consent um and they expressly deny any and all liability responsibility responsibility and potential liability and it shall not be construed as an admission of liability so the family got four hundred ninety thousand dollars for the guardian of his young child and ten thousand to his estate for his dad. Um, Look, yeah, this is a hundred percent political. This the the cause of death was not changed until after George Floyd, till after the protests. So, if we think about when it was changed, the world, you know, the country was on fire. Yeah, but what the hell is wrong with the GBI? I have no. Who's damn making clue. these decisions? I mean, honestly, how do you? What new evidence do you have? And I can tell you, they didn't have any new evidence because I went and looked up the articles on the on the subject. Like, what what are you what are you doing? Okay, everybody says I can't breathe. And you uh, can, if, but if you're was, saying it, you can breathe. Yeah, uh, the guy was high on meth. And was restrained for two minutes, not 20, 20 minutes like Derek Chauvin. Two minutes. While they got control of somebody who was aggressive and on methamphetamine. 
So much so that the the true cause was an overdose. Yeah, the cardiac arrest from the struggle only contributed to it said that it exacerbated or contributed to it didn't but they still labeled it a homicide afterwards. But right, they still even contended that the meth was the underlying issue. Right. If he's not on meth, he's alive today. Well, you kneel on me for for 2 minutes, I'm probably going to be fine. Not going to be very happy, but be fine. Well, I think it's what the GBI did is absolute Horse and what the what Mark Jones did in in saying when he got elected, I'm going to reopen this and, and I'm going to appoint someone and not have an independent party investigate. And that person is going to be my campaign manager. I mean, the whole thing just reeks of Glynn County and, and but our justice system as a whole and why nobody has any faith in it. But the family of the man who died, they started this foundation Um named after him, and they said the purpose is to provide a voice and an assistance and healing to victims who have suffered the injustice of police violence. And, but, but they didn't, none of the money that is given to them from the city is going to this foundation. Um, and in a statement, they said, they're pleased that the matter's been resolved and hope that the resolution can provide a measure of healing for the community. So let me get this right. They haven't mentioned anything about the criminal charges. I, I looked. I, they, they have not said anything. They don't. It doesn't seem like they really care. But a check is step one for healing. Is it always? Man, it's a money grab. Uh, it is the I, I understand what, what Columbus is doing. Here's half mil. Go away. Well, Columbus, and, and, and honestly, it, it was supposed to. It would cost the city more to to fight it. Yes, the city was supposed to. It was supposed to go before a jury trial in August. I think on August 9th. and the city went into executive session at their meeting earlier this month and and agreed. And of course, they don't. The city's not writing a check. That's their insurance company um, that will pay out, and the city's premiums will go up, and there'll be a, a cost adjustment there. But the city isn't out five hundred thousand um, dollars. But, 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 but here's the, it, it's fine. But that, that we're not talking about printing new money. That it comes out of ever that costs every city money. Oh, I'm not saying it's. I'm just saying like the city had nothing to do and or no, nothing to lose in settling because now they're off the hook. Right, they're done. Uh, now these these two officers are twisting in the wind. Look, and and looking at it from the, from the officer standpoint of view is okay. A couple years ago. Something bad happened, and you were investigated and cleared. The guy was high on meth. He he had a, he had a heart attack. It happens when you do meth. Uh, so they're clear. And you're struggling and, and you're fighting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you're already yeah. You're already on meth, and then you bring up your heart rate by struggling and fighting. But from the officer's point of view, is it's hard enough knowing that you were involved in a in a fatality. Uh, so those guys are probably already in counseling, uh, moving on with their lives. Years later, some jackass digs it up and he goes, you know what? It was homicide. And all of a sudden you having to relive everything over again. Uh, and for what? And with the knowledge that uh, you followed pol- uh, procedures and policies laid out by your department and by Georgia Post on how to restrain 
a suspect like that. Yes, because a combative suspect. Yes, because the family and the NAACP and all these people, they actually agreed to drop the part. Like they, I guess they. So the the as is the case when you sue in something like this, they sued the city and then they sued the officers and the chief individually. Um, and the a judge, the same judge, Clay Land, actually dismissed the suit against the city um, recently because. It said that the officers didn't do anything to violate policy. They, you know, they 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 were in in line with their standards and training. But they left. He left the police officers on there, on so they were sued in an individual basis or in individual capacity. But because it happened in their official duties, the city was still responsible for the bill. So the city council actually settled a lawsuit that was against the chief and two officers against their without their consent. For something the city was not involved in, just to get like they, the city had every reason to to dispose of this. Oh, sure they did, and I don't know what you're supposed to do with a combative suspect like that. Let you're him supposed go. to handcuff him. Let that's that's what these I, yeah, people let, want. Let, let him beat himself to death on the on the pavement as he's handcuffed. I oh, roll him on roll him on his back and kneel on his chest. I mean, what what are you supposed to do? Ask him nicely, offer him a backpack and a hug, and, you know. This guy wasn't walking down the street, and two officers like, hey, you want to go mess with that guy? Come on. This is this was a, a police interaction where he became combative. It was obvious that he was on something. It was obvious that he was dangerous to himself or people around him. And they, they tried to place him under arrest. And he got he back got combative, so he got restrained. And I think two minutes is a is a completely reasonable amount of time. Even if he couldn't breathe for two minutes, you, you know you're going to be okay. But it, but right, but it wasn't two minutes, like you said, it wasn't two minutes, and it's not unusual for two officers to handcuff somebody, especially a male. I mean, sometimes it takes two officers or three officers to combat or to take down a flailing female who's not. You know, six foot or. And certainly not of her right mind. And this guy was not of his right mind. If this guy was sober, you know, they say, hey, you know, you're under arrest. Okay. Or run or whatever else. This guy had meth and all of a sudden he saw an S on his chest. I'm going to fight these two cops. Well, Mark Jones is an idiot for doing this. Um, it shows that, you know, he's politically driven and he doesn't care about the law. He cares about the optics. And I like somebody needs to bring more attention to this about the GBI, because how many other cases have they done this with four years, three, three and a half years to change it. But I mean, and when you, uh, if, you if that goes to trial, how are you going to explain that as as the GBI? Oh, well, uh, you know, it was kind of tough around the nation, and so we just thought it'd be in the best interest to change it. Well, maybe someone should contact our attorney. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's too busy doing yeah, the, a signed barbecue tour around the state to get reelected. Right. Instead of, instead of actually doing attorney general stuff. It's, the GBI has to be held accountable to someone. Somebody dug this up. Somebody decided this is what we're going to do. 
and I and it cannot be a coincidence that it happened in uh, in 2020. Can, it cannot be a coincidence when everybody else is working from home, and everybody everybody else is you know essentially workers are the only ones out, and everybody's rushing to Home Depot to buy every every piece of lumber they have. Uh, there's somebody in the GBI office going, "Let's see if we have any cases in Georgia where somebody was kneeled on and died." Oh, here we go. And the only parallel is the type of restraint and the fact that the suspect was high. The The Chauvin case was 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 glaring because of the length of time after Floyd was whipped. He was done. He was done fighting. He was done. Chauvin stayed on him. Now, I haven't seen the the, the video on this or, or, uh, or anything, but two minutes is... Is reasonable. Twenty something minutes is not, or however it was like twenty minutes that Chauvin kneeled on this guy's chest. You can't go without air for twenty minutes. You can go without air for two minutes. And, and again, he's talking, he's breathing. Uh, uh, but if he's if he's not high and you and and so and being combative and so kneeled on him, he probably would have been just fine, other than going to jail and being charged with resisting arrest, an assault of an officer, or something like that. Uh, he would have been just fine. I, I would I would assume because the first the first thing the the me said was, you know, methamphetamine toxicity. That that got him. So disgrace suspended and allegedly guilty. Insurance commissioner Jim Beck finally appeared in court on his charges that date back to 2019. Yep, he sure did. Um. And, you know, it's mail fraud, wire fraud, money laundering, and filing false tax returns. There was an amendment to his indictment, and a grand jury added a couple of those. Mail fraud, of course, because they add that to everything. And the false tax returns. But um, last, so they think it's going to last two weeks, the trial. Um, Whatever, I guess. But they had three witnesses testify last week, and all three of them worked for Beck in some capacity. Um, over the last couple years before he was indicted. And it's it's freaking horrible what they said. I mean, it's bad. So, uh, and it's, a, I don't know. So there's there's three people. There was a husband and wife, Steve McCaig and Sonia McCaig, and then Matthew Barfield, who is also related to Jim Beck. I can't remember if he's a cousin or a nephew or what, but... Um, Remember, there was the Georgia Underwriting Association, which is like a state-mandated thing and state-regulated. And all anyone who pays or any company that sells insurance policies of any kind pays dues and pays a fee or to, to this organization. So it's basically like funded by the insurance industry in Georgia. And Beck was the director of it and then he had these shell companies um like green technology services and the christian coalition and um he would bill different things and and then take a, a thing off the top that this is what we were told initially well as it turns out it, it's a little bit worse than that so um steve mckeg testified last week and and he um said that Beck directed him to bill the Georgia Underwriting Association on behalf of green technology. Um, 
And the George Underwriting Association was paying that company $200,000 to provide reinsurance against water damage, which is when like another company buys some of the the risk. Some of the risk. And so, um, and then Beck told McHagg to put his own fees into the bill for green technology and like lump it all together. And then he would send them to, um, he would cut the checks to green technology and then send them to Beck. Then his wife gets up there and says that um, she was responsible for reviewing insurance applications for the George Underwriting Association for property owners who couldn't find insurance elsewhere. And um, it's like a state mandated thing. So this that's why this is such a big deal. Um, the George Underwriting Association. But she she testified like her big thing was like we actually did real work there um and we actually did provide you know property insurance for process the applications for people who couldn't get it but um she was directed by Beck to roll her bill in to the George Underwriting Association to the tune of $28,000 and 7 a month um and then mark up the price for 5% fee for herself so they were running that through there. And then allegedly, um, Matthew Barfield, this one's my favorite. He said that um, he was told to create hundreds of thousands of invoices from vendors he never met. And when he was paid by Beck's company, he returned 90% of it, mostly in cash to Beck. He maintained that he, Barfield, didn't do anything wrong and that he gave Beck bags full of cash from various vendors for five years. And when asked if that was a flag for him, he said, never. I have always trusted him. He never gave me a reason not to. And then he testified that um, he isn't a millionaire and he knows nothing about insurance. And uh, sometimes the cash was delivered in McDonald's bags or bags from other restaurants. God. Yeah, that sounds above board. I mean, that would be a flag for it. And this, like, he, this guy's like not, he's only 17. Like, this is a grown adult. The the McKaggs, I guess, I, you know, we don't know who, we don't know how the feds found out about this. Um, and this is totally speculation. But they they distanced themselves from Beck before he got indicted. And, and they, they started seeing things that they didn't like and were, it seems like, more than willing to testify um, Barfield's family, so I don't really know how he falls in, but it, it, I'm not saying that the McKeggs were the informants or the ones that tipped them off, but they were certainly extremely compliant in whatever the investigation was because they just, you know, hemorrhaged paperwork and information and explanation and their testimony reflects that. And they, they don't want anything to do with Jim Beck now. They didn't say, oh, he's done nothing wrong and I didn't see any flags with that like Matthew Barfield did. When you're dropping off bags of cash. <laughs> McDonald's bags. I mean, you know something shady. That's like yeah, and there are some deals drugs that are, level there are some deals are Yeah, there are some deals that are done in cash. There are lots of dealers that are done, uh, deals done cars. in cash. Uh, cars. Cars. Uh, actually, in the machine gun market, the the transferable machine guns, one that's ones that you can actually own, that is a primarily cash uh, uh, interaction. But it's usually not delivered in a McDonald's bag. From vendors you've never met. Yeah, it comes with bank envelopes. And like he, like I said, he was paid by Beck's company. So he billed them. He, he, Matthew was paid. And he returned 90% of it in cash 
to Jim Beck and he didn't see anything wrong with that. What did I mean? I'm dying to know what he was offered to not be indicted because he looks guilty as sin to me. Look, the feds don't lose cases. No, BJ Pack did a great job. Yeah, this was thoroughly investigated. Uh, Beck kept his position because he was a constitutionally elected officer, which soon, I guess soon we'll be, we'll be having a uh, special election. No. No? They they appointed- So, uh, so this is what happened. So if, 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 if he gets acquitted, John King, who Kemp appointed, is removed, and Jim Beck is restored to office and will run for re-election in 2022 with an I next to his name, despite the fact that he has not served but four months- so far, I mean, he'll be serve some more time if he's, you know, this will be over next week. But um, he, he, John King's out. Jim Beck's back to the being incumbent. If Jim Beck is convicted and he's already been suspended, um, it would just be an automatic default to removal of office and John King would stay. And he's already announced he's running again. So but the like, I don't want Jim Beck to be acquitted because I think I, I think there's clear evidence of wrongdoing here but it would be so interesting to watch an incumbent who hasn't served run for re-election interesting is one word for it yeah so very georgia oh man he is he is he is dirty 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 I, I, what is it with that office is it just the money there's so much money in insurance well, and, and not only not just that but first of all it's very difficult to understand. Like we we know a lot more now because it's all coming out in a trial. But what we heard initially was that they were just it was a, a money laundering scheme and shell companies and all this stuff. But the insurance industry is very confusing to explain, and a lot of people don't understand, and a lot of people don't care. It's not sexy. It's not like you know the governor's office or the Department of Health or something like that. It's 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 hard for people to grasp and so most of the time it's unwatched well no one even thinks about the insurance commissioner except on election day and if they have a problem with their insurance company yeah, if you've been scammed or if your rates go up if you get scammed your rates go up or uh, a tree falls on your house and you're having having trouble getting response out of your insurance company you know people call the insurance commissioner's office but no one really thinks about that office until, until until something happens or, you know, you, you make the news like Jim Beck or John Oxendine or, you know, several others that uh, around the country. But insurance commission just seems to seems to attract crooks. It does. And and, you know, in he, Jim Beck has maintained that he's innocent all along. And um, if he's restored to office, I mean, aside from the fact that he hasn't served and. And first of all, if he's acquitted, in my opinion, it will be because they weren't able to provide the evidence, not because he's innocent. I don't believe that he did nothing wrong. Um, I swear to you, if he is acquitted and he runs for office, I'm going to go to his campaign events with McDonald's bags and stuff and throw it at the stage. Well, I look forward to whatever episode that is from the Paulding County Jail um, when you get arrested for that but 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 no i mean like how how do you overcome the fact that this was national headlines that everyone in georgia knows that 
Although I guess people, again, you were talking, like, talk about not being watched. I posted the other day about how, you know, we've been paying his salary $200,000, the salary plus benefits, which is costing us $200,000 plus John King's for a total of $400,000 for the last four years. And we still rank, like, worst in the nation for a lot of types of insurance rates and, and, and efficiency and everything. And there are people who are active political people who post all the time, who are involved and go to their local party stuff, who had no idea that we are paying both salaries. And I'm like, where have you been? So maybe he could overcome it. But it seems to me that it would be difficult. Like, even if he did do it, just take take the L and go home. Because how you're gonna all you're gonna do is talk about what you didn't do, explain that you were you deserved two hundred thousand dollars while you sat at the house in the middle of a pandemic and and for two other years while the rest of the state you know worked and tried to support themselves you you don't have any good angle here you don't but people don't care sure the the people people in the know i know the 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 policy wonks like like the both of us understand what's what's going on and would vote for you know, Mickey Mouse over over Jim Beck, but your average voter, your your person that's going in to pull the handle on the R is going to see R I and pull the handle or not pull the handle, push push the screen. I'm old, I know, uh, and, and push the screen. Republican incumbent hit the screen because that's that's what we have with the voting populace. And as long as they see that, that's that's what's going to happen. And, 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 and if I were to look at my crystal ball. But, Jessica, do you have any closing thoughts? Yes. Um, well, it's kind of a question because I read this article and I was astounded at what the answer is. Do you know what America's favorite ice cream flavor is? Vanilla. No. No? Try again. Chocolate. No. Okay, let's not play this game. What Mint is it? chocolate chip. <laughs> Really? I would have thought, I actually guessed like cookies and cream or chocolate chip, but mint chocolate chip? Really, folks? That's, that's not even, it's- Well, mine is, mine is- It's wrong. Mine is chocolate chip cookie dough, oh, but- yeah. But I only eat the cookie dough. No? I mean, I like it, but I, I just like the, fro- I just like to get the cookie dough out. And Anyway, mint chocolate chip, another disappointment. I would have thought vanilla just because the the favorites would have been spread out over all the other flavors and everybody mm-hmm. eats vanilla. Right. It's yeah. Uh vanilla, chocolate and strawberry were not even in the top 10. Wow. I, know. I mean, there's nothing like a, a scoop of Briar's vanilla ice cream and Publix uh, uh Publix birthday cake. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean that's that that, that that's a birthday uh, where I, you know in Florida and now in Georgia. I mean when I got here and tasted Kroger cake, I was very upset. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we just lost Kroger as a sponsor. <laughs> it's okay, your cake's dry. Anyway. Well, uh, a story we didn't get to that I think is worth mentioning, and I think we'll cover in the coming weeks, is the federal government is flagging posts on social media uh, and related to coronavirus. So they are monitoring social media and flagging stuff they feel is inaccurate. The federal government is deciding whether something is accurate. The same people that told us that the virus came from bats. The same government that told us that we don't need to wear masks. The same government that told us that we need to wear two masks are now deciding whether or not what you say 
is accurate. And then and Facebook is playing along with them. Is it any wonder that Jen Psaki looks just like the owner of Facebook? Oh, Lord. She does. Oh, Lord. She looks, she looks like him in drag. Oh, my. <laughs> and she has sort of the same lost look when people ask her questions. Like, uh, I got, let me look at my folder. I got a binder for that. So if you like what you heard, like us and share us on social media. Give us a thumbs up and a review on the uh, on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If you don't like what you heard, give us a thumbs up anyway. We can use it. If you have any comments, complaints, address them to Jessica. That's uh, one complaint per week. Uh, that is Jessica's uh, uh, policy. And yes, I know there has to be at least four things I said that were inaccurate. Tiffany's going to tell you. Thank you all. I know. So for Jessica Salaji, my co-host, for Eric Cumbie, our editor, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. 